and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. It's one of our favorite topics here on the show, pigweed control. Now, if you're one of the people that believes, well, I just, I can't stop Palmer or I can't stop uh, water hemp or any pigweed species, I would just tell you, We've got solutions for you. We're going to talk through them today in corn, soybeans, wheat, a number of different crops. There is no such thing as a super weed out there. What we like here on the show, though, is dead weeds, and we're going to get there with this pigweed thing. But it starts right now. And you might say, well, it's 20 below where I'm at, Brian. Uh, Yeah, it's uh, like, I don't know, zero where I'm at. So we're not going to be farming anytime soon. But the reason why I say it starts today is you've got to plan ahead because if you don't do anything pre and you're going after pigweed, good luck. Good luck. Because your odds of fantastic control are awfully slim. You really want to start with something pre, get some good residuals out there. And I guess I did say residuals, not one. You're going to need multiple if you want to get pigweed. Here's the problem with this pigweed thing. There's so many pigweed species now that are resistant to Roundup. They're resistant to, in some cases, 2,4-D and dicamba. Uh, In a lot of cases, resistant to atrazine, resistant to ALS herbicides. And so if you're not using the right thing in a combination, uh, you're in big trouble. And on top of that, we find that some of these pigweed species like water hemp and palmer pigweed can grow two or three inches tall in a day. They can put on a million seeds per plant. And a lot of those seeds, unfortunately, are viable. And they can live, they can survive in the soil for a long time. So if you say, well, I'll just rotate away from some crop where I am having problems with this. I'll rotate away for a few years. Um, You come back and you still have a bunch of pigweeds out there. So the seeds last a long time. But anyway, again, don't lose hope. we got plenty of solutions. We're going to talk about that today. But right now, let's get to the Ag PhD Mailbag. All right, Brian, first question comes in from Phil over in Wisconsin. He said, guys, I got a question for you about spreading lime in a no-till situation. My soil samples are calling for three tons of lime, and I can till it in, but there are a lot of rocks out in this field. I'm just wondering if you guys have heard about spreading lime and leaving it on top. Sure, we've done that. Or if you'd be worried about losing a lot from wind blowing it away. Uh, Yeah, you might lose a tiny amount. I'm not that worried about that. So... It's just, it's going to take a lot more time for the lime to work its way down through the soil. But we have done this and we have found it, it does work. So there are a lot of studies out there over the years basically showing it's going to take you, who knows, two or three times as long for that lime to be effective at the depths that you're looking for. So that, that would be our only concern is it's, it's just going to take more time. So what we usually tell people, if they're in a no-till or strip-till situation and they don't want to till that lime in, we just say, make sure you're staying ahead of things. <laughs> in other words, you don't want a 4.5 pH shooting for low 6s. you got to keep it relatively close, throw a little bit of lime out there every three, four years, whatever, and just kind of keep that, that, that pH close because if you get something way off, it's going to be potentially years before you are able to rectify the situation without tillage. All right. Thanks for the question. I get this one in from Curtis down in Missouri and Curtis sent in some soil samples here too, and I'll pass that across. 
Uh, so he sent three soil samples in. He said, I picked up some rental ground uh, this past year here. I wanted your opinion on the fertilizer wrecks. It's just an 18-acre field, not a big deal. And I do have a long-term lease, so I'm willing to take a big swing at fertility here. Uh, we pulled 150 bushel corn off it, uh, and now we're going to plant soybeans this year. We get about 38 inches of annual rainfall where we're at. We plan to broadcast fertilizer and then incorporate it in three or four inches. So according to the Ag PhD uh, fertility app here, or oh, soils app uh, with your build and balance, it would call for 450 pounds of K, 150 yep. pounds of P, 40 yep. pounds of sulfur, yep. uh, and then uh, some micros here too. Sounds about right. Just curious, you're concerned about doing that in one shot? Nope. Uh, he said, the biggest ones that I'm concerned about are manganese and zinc. It calls for 30 pounds of manganese and two pounds of zinc. Uh, I don't want to over-apply. That won't uh, And be. manganese, of course, is not yeah. cheap. No. No, that's exactly right. I would say this. The only thing that, in all that stuff that you said, everything else, all that sounded fine. By the way, for our listeners here, soil pH is mid-6s, so that's great. Cation exchange capacity is... 16 to 20, so it's medium, medium textured soil. I didn't but, read all those fertilizer rates. I don't know if you wanted to look at that. Nah, I, I, I'm good. I, 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 I would just say with manganese, this is a DTPA test. And I'll be honest, we don't fully trust the DTPA test, although your pH is in the sixes. So sometimes what, well, I, let me rephrase that. All the time, what happens with manganese on a DTPA test is the higher the pH, the lower the manganese level, period. doesn't matter how much is in your soil. You could have a million pounds in your soil. It's going to show like you have almost nothing if you've got a high pH in, in our experience. So I would just say we prefer to see a Malik 3 test on manganese, and then we have a better understanding. What you could do... When you say, okay, all the rest of the stuff I'm, I'm on board with, I just, boy, that manganese is expensive. I agree with you. So if it's me, what I would do is I would try only a little bit at that 30 pounds that you were talking about. And the rest, I'd only throw out maybe a couple of pounds and call it good for this year. If you do gain quite a bit in the next year or two where you threw out the 30 pounds of manganese, then, hey, you know, uh, oh, I guess manganese actually really truly is a yield limiting factor. Otherwise, our suggestion would be just get a Malik 3 test on manganese, and then then you'll just have a much better understanding of that. If you want to send us that result, you certainly can. But, yeah, here's the other thing. He just mentioned rented ground, and this is what kind of stinks. A long lot of term, times— Long-term contract, I know, but when, when you pick up ground that has been rented in the past, you usually don't find ample fertility there. So, yeah, phosphorus is low, potassium is low, sulfur is low, zinc is low, copper is low, boron is low. So that kind of stinks. But at least your pH is good. Calcium, magnesium, all that stuff's fine. Sodium's fine. Soluble salt's fine. So you got a lot of things that are okay. Just have to build up the fertility a little bit. Well, stay tuned. We'll talk pigweed control right after this on Ag PhD Radio. Palmer Amaranth. Four counts of yield theft, resistance to groups two, four, nine. You ain't got nothing on me, man. We've been surveilling you. And now we've got Tough 5EC, a tank mix partner that'll make sure you and your gang of resistant weeds never see the daylight again. Crack down on repeat offenders. Add Tough 5EC to your post-emergence tank mix. Learn more at toughonweeds.com. Always read and follow label directions. Tough is a registered trademark of Belsham Crop Protection. 
One of the most important things you can do for your farm is improve drainage. Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. On Wednesday, February 8th, we're hosting a free Ag PhD tiling clinic in the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Whether you've been tiling for years or looking to plan your first project, you won't want to miss this event. We'll have a whole host of information for you, including a legal session with the country's top drainage lawyers, as well as presentations on tile design, lift stations, and ways to approach neighbors and landlords about tiling issues. For more details, go to agphd.com. Good morning and hallelujah! Watch it. My spray and pray days are over! What's with Randy? Oh, he's just amped. <laughs> we feel heaven Amped? Yeah, he ordered that new Battalion Amp herbicide from UPL. They're calling it the new gold standard. This is the greatest day in herbicidal history! So, how can I... Get amped? Just go to battalionamp.com. It's gonna be a good year! Always read and follow label directions. Control the toughest weeds with overlapping residuals. Lock in the longest lasting control for your soybean fields. A pre-emergence application of an authority brand herbicide plus a post-application of Anthem Max herbicide establishes the overlapping residual control key to safeguarding your soybean seasons. This pairing is a heavy-duty economical strategy against Palmer Amaranth, Waterhemp, Kosha, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or lockin.ag.fmc.com today. Always read and follow all label directions. Pigweed control. Oh, what a nightmare every year, right? That weed just keeps coming back. And in a variety of crops, it can be a real challenge. We're going to talk about some good ways to keep pigweed out of your fields on today's Ag PhD radio program. We'll also be taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. And you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. Let's head over to South Central Illinois. we got Mike Probst on with us right now with BSF. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing well, trying to stay warm out here in Illinois. Oh, I tell you what, it's a challenge this winter. It's been it's been something, but it doesn't kill off pigweed. It seems like that just keeps coming back. So uh, we, we're expecting a big pigweed crop out in some of these fields again this year. What are you seeing that's making a difference in, in, uh, in terms of herbicides, in terms of tillage, uh, cover crops, anything, Mike? We're looking for any answers today. <laughs> well, for one, you're absolutely right. Uh, cold weather is one of the many things that doesn't seem to kill off those pigweeds, unfortunately, or our lives would be a lot easier. But um, at the end of the day, it's it's trying to incorporate as many effective options that we have. You know, we have effective herbicides that we can utilize, and I think we are doing a good job of that. Uh, but if we can start to, you know, try to find other ways to, to complement those herbicides, uh, for some of the examples that you mentioned, tillage is always going to be good. Uh, that's one of the things that, that pro- has proven to be one of the most effective options, uh, but not an option for everybody, depending on where you're at. Uh, but we are seeing a lot of information and a lot of data come from research that shows that cover crops are another effective option in, in suppressing some of the emergence of those pigweeds. But it's never one of those things that we want to rely on a single option, whether it be cover crops, tillage, or herbicides. We want to try to incorporate as many of those together so that we're protecting what we still have available to us that still works. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. We we only have a we have quite a few tools, but it's not like we're getting ten new tools to work with every year here. Uh, there's some new things we're starting to hear in the pipeline coming coming uh, maybe ten years down the road. But you're right, we got to protect what's out there now and and hit 
uh, pigweed with everything we can each time that we're out there. You know, when you think about pre-emerge programs, and let's just take corn, for example. I think guys got to take that one real serious because in corn, we've actually got a great shot of completely wiping this out. And it seems like corn isn't quite as tough a crop to control pigweed in as, say, cotton or soybeans. Uh, what do you what do you think in corn, Mike? What's working really well in, in your area? Yeah, you're right. There are there are some additional options that are available to us in corn uh, that maybe aren't available in some of those other crops. So we do need to take take advantage of what we have. But I think the approach still needs to be the same. And you mentioned starting with pre residuals, and that's always going to be step number one in my opinion is getting off on the right foot and getting a sound residual herbicide on the ground before those weeds come up. Uh, something that's going to have multiple sites of action. So you're probably looking at something that has one of the group 15s in there that seem to carry a lot of the load on uh, controlling and preventing that pigweed emergence, but then probably also including uh, something like an HPPD inhibitor or what we call uh, the bleacher herbicides, but then still coming back with a, you know, second pass if in case anything managed to come through there, uh, we want to make sure that we're cleaning that up and, and overlapping those residuals. And honestly, giving that corn a chance to, to take off on its own and, and kind of be clean the rest of the way, which is the same approach that we want to take in soybeans, but maybe we just have a, a few more options. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. And, you know, you look at soybeans, overlapping residuals has been a strategy that's really helped a lot of growers. Uh, my concern on that always, Mike, I guess you can add your comments to this too, but my concern is always let's not wait too long. Let's make sure we get it out there before we really need that next residual because it's going to take a little moisture and a little time to get it to work. Yeah, you're 100% right, and and that's the overlapping residual message, right? It's it's getting out there uh, with that second application, and I, oftentimes I hear folks tell me that they want to wait until they see weeds coming coming up out of the ground before they go out with uh, with that second that second shot, whether it be with Liberty or an Ingenia or uh, you know even a 2,4-D or Enlist option. Uh, and they, they get a little worried that they're not getting anything out of it. But my reaction is that that's actually a good thing because that means that we're getting ahead of most of those weeds. Odds are there's probably a few of them that have made it out of the ground and we're trying to clean those up. But if we're getting out there early before our initial residual has, you know, ran its course and, and getting another one out there and getting it established, we've really limited the window opportunity for those weeds to emerge. And, and that's the best way to approach it is to, to try to never let them get out of the ground in the first place. Yeah, I like that strategy. I, I mean, it's fun to see a weed and, and fry it with a herbicide or or wipe it out with tillage or something like that, but I would much rather never see a pigweed again in my life. I like that. Uh, talking to Mike Probstier with uh, BSF over in South Central Illinois. Mike, you gave us a lot of great tips, and it's a great way to start our conversation. Thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Hey, thank you. Let's head over just across the border into Missouri. We got Chad Smith with us right now with Valent, and and Chad might kind of kind of put down the groundwork here. We don't ever want to see these pigweeds. I, I like that strategy. Yeah, uh, I tell you what, Darren. I, I use the term. Uh, I like to say, spray seeds, not weeds. You know, um, if you can any way possible manage that seed bank, and uh, and really draw down that that uh, the amount of seed that you've got in your soil that can make a world of difference. And, um, you know, you were just talking about rented fields and that's another challenge. A lot of folks that take on rental, rented ground, there's folks that kind of let the, the pigweed control slide or, or they let, uh, 
uh, went with a cheaper program or something. And so, um, you know, the best way to, to make your life easier is to, is to get out there and overlap those residuals. You know, we, we talk a lot about that, but um, that's, that's, that's literally the best way. You know, you, you mentioned that and, and the overlapping residual story. I guess part of this is there might be a few pigweeds that made it through. For whatever reason, maybe the pre wasn't perfect, maybe the timing wasn't just right, or the coverage wasn't wasn't awesome. You got a few pigweeds up. Uh, we do see a lot of these residual products labeled for in-crop that, that also carry something in there that's going to help you burn down those pigweeds. So I, I still remind guys, man, we got to scout. We got to be out there looking before we ever run that sprayer if you're just putting a residual out because you probably need something else in there to kill the few escapes that there are. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, using using overlapping residuals, something in season, you can take something like Perpetuo, and um, you can come back over the top with with corn or soybeans, and it's it's got that pyroxysilicone portion, and so it really does help out that um, that extended weed control on into the later season. And um, you know, that's that's honestly one of the most important times uh, for for weed control, I think. And you know, you were talking earlier about how you. Uh, you want to start scouting and, and planting weeds now? Well, I even back it up. I like to start planting weed control from the combine. And I will, if I can find a pocket of weeds or find something that didn't work, I'll mark it on GPS. And you can go back and check the following year. You say, oh, well, what, what did it look like? How did this next program look? And so, you know, overlapping those residuals gets that later season weed that you may not see that might be just peeking out from under the canopy that you know, as we know, those those type of pigweeds that can produce up to, you know, I mean, 500,000 seeds. And so having one or two escapes can really um, can really make your life a living nightmare the following year. And so, yeah, starting clean, you start out with, uh, you know, something like, you know, fierce MTZ, and that gives you, you know, two modes of action. Well, technically three. Um, but then you can come back and overlap with something like Perpetuo, and that gets you a little bit further into that season and gets you to that canopy closure. Yeah, and I think the canopy closure, that's a big thing that we got to keep in mind. Uh, I, I look at earlier planting dates as something that, man, if we can get crop up and growing just a little bit sooner, that's that's been really helpful getting to that, that canopy much quicker. And then I look at some of the cover crop uses as well to hold weeds out early season. The challenge with some of the residuals then is you've got to burn that cover crop down or, or something because you get too big a cover crop out there, it can definitely tie some things up and make it just a little bit longer before you're going to see those things work. So yeah, there are a lot of different practices growers are doing. You make some great points here, Chad. Uh, again, we're talking with Chad Smith with Valent down in Missouri about keeping those pigweeds out, getting the canopy a little sooner and getting the most out of the overlapping residuals. Chad, thank you so much. Really appreciate you joining us today. Hey, no problem. Thank you for having me. We are talking about pigweed on the show today, and the cool thing about this is if you do a great job and you follow all these steps that, that guys like Mike and Chad were laying out there, uh, and, and that Brian and I will talk about even more, you're going to wipe out a lot of weeds. It's not just pigweed, because many of these same strategies are going to be awesome for lamb's quarter and some of the other small-seeded broadleaves. So we'll talk more about pigweed control right after this, and we'll take your calls and questions, too, at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, 
or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients. AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Farmers come to Commodity Classic from every state and beyond. I'm a farmer from Lexington, Tennessee. Brackenridge, Michigan. Finley, North Dakota. We're farmers, farmers from, from Elverson, Pennsylvania. Cope, Colorado. Northeast Arkansas. I'm a teacher from Glenview, Illinois. We are corn and soybean farmers from Allegan, Michigan, and we want to see you at Commodity Classic. Join us in Orlando as we're preparing for the next generation, March 9th through 11th, 2023. Learn more at commodityclassic.com. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. With superior materials, craftsmanship, and best-in-class warranty, a Morton machine storage or workshop is built to stand the test of time. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. How can you make your corn crop more successful? I'm Darren Hefty. Thursday, February 9th, we're going to answer that question at a free Ag PhD corn agronomy workshop at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll talk about water management, fertility needs, finding success in cold soils, and we'll discuss how to protect your corn crop from weeds, insects, and diseases that can rob your yield potential. There's a great opportunity to make profit in your corn crop this year. Don't miss the free Ag PhD corn agronomy workshop. Register now at agphd.com. This is Stormy Fields with your weather forecast. Today calls for a high of 68 degrees with sunny skies and not a cloud in sight. Planting windows can close fast, so when you need both speed and accuracy, choose John Deere. Our exact emerge planters and precision ag technologies give you precise seed placement for uniform emergence and the efficiency you need to gain ground. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at HeadsUpST.com. listening to Ag PhD Radio today, and we are talking about a very familiar topic, pigweed control, and uh, kind of traveling around the country just a little bit, talking about different areas. So far, we've been talking mostly about corn and soybeans, but love to hear about other crops, love to hear your strategies. If you found some things that are working better on your farm, please share them. You'll help so many people out because there are a lot of farmers struggling with this weed. Our phone lines are open at 844 844- 44 ag phd let's head down to georgia we got eric prosco with us with the university of georgia eric how you doing hey guys how are you doing today pretty good but you know what eric we're still talking about pigweed <laughs> it just seems like <laughs> the last i don't know no. 20 years of our lives have been dominated by this well yeah i think it, uh, you know it's been since uh, about 2004 so it's almost 20 years where we're you know that's driving the, the, the all the conversations 
All right, so talk to us a little about resistance because we hear all the time. It seems like every farm magazine and article you see going around in the summer is another chemistry that we're losing. And, oh, man, here in this area, we're seeing resistance to this. How, how does it happen? Well, it's, it's, uh, it's a complicated process if you think about it, right? You have to think about what's going on. Um, you, know, you probably hear this a lot that, you know, where do these plants come from? They're actually herbicide-resistant plants are in every field right now. But how they get to be a problem is they get selected for over time and they become a dominant population. So there's a very small population in every field. And then if you continue to use a herbicide or a herbicides with the same mode of action, we select for those. We're going to control the susceptible plants and leave the resistant ones in the field. And then ultimately they become the dominant population. So it's a, it's a process that you know, the, the overuse of herbicides with the same mode of action causes the problem. You know, we recommend a lot of times multiple effective modes of action, but I think a lot of guys just hear multiple modes of action, and we see a lot of products that contain active ingredients, like, like say, ALS, for exa for just mm -hmm. an example, that, well, that isn't going right. to kill a pigweed anymore. And, and you see other modes that farmers are maybe putting in thinking, well, I got three or even four modes of action here, but there's probably only one or maybe two that are doing any work on this. How do we yeah. avoid that problem? Well, I think the first thing you got to, to understand is, you know, what are the resistances that you have in the field, right? Whether you have one, two, or three or four, and then choosing products uh, that could, could combat against that problem. In, in our area, we have resistance to ALS, glyphosate, and um, we just found some PPO resistance on a small scale. We have a little bit of atri atrazine resistance. So, you know, there's uh, quite a few things going on. So having an understanding of, of the potential modes of action that you have resistance to and looking for products uh, that would not have that possibly or uh, multiple products. Now, the other thing about modes of action, just because you got resistance in one species, some of those modes of action might still be working on other weeds that you have in the field unless you have say in our case a lot of times a population of that's dominated by palmer amaranth for example and there's not other weeds in there so um but really understanding what you have and then and looking at the products and and the good thing now is you can look on every herbicide label and the mode of action the number of the number of the mode of action is on the label so you can know almost instantly what what's in that particular product if it's a single product or a product that's got two or three things in the in the jug do you see other products coming, Eric? Are you already testing some new modes of action, or, or is the cupboard bare at this point? Well, it's, it's interesting. I'm, I'm actually not in Georgia right now. I'm in Washington, D.C. The Weed Science Society of America is wrapping up our annual meeting. So people like myself from all over the country are here talking about their new research and new products. And, and we really haven't had a new mode of action since the HPPDs were developed in the early 1980s, so it's been a while. However, uh, there there was a new mode of action talked about here at the meeting. FMC has a product that's going to be used, they're working on in rice that's a, that's a brand new mode of action. So that'll be the one of the first new modes of action that we see, have seen in, what, almost uh, 40 years. So uh, that's good news, but, but right now it's being targeted for a, a crop other than corn or soybeans. So uh, that's good news. Um, we've just got a registration for, in, in crops I work in peanuts, we just got a registration for a product called Break, which is Floridone. It's a, a group 12 herbicide. 
that's not a new mode of action, but it's new to the peanut market, so that'll give us an opportunity to diversify a little more. But really, not a whole lot going on in terms of it takes a long time for those things to happen. I think companies are still trying to find things uh, that would potentially be out there, but it's not an easy an easy thing to find. Yeah, I just keep hoping that one of these new problems that we have, like Asian rust or tar spot, would just destroy pigweed. That would be amazing if we could luck out like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah, there's a couple of worms. If you're coming to South Georgia, there's a couple of worms every once in a while you'll see. I, I can't remember if they're army worms or earworms. I'm not an entomologist, but there's a certain kind of worm that gets on some of our pigweed and it chews them all up. Uh, not enough to, to uh, count for anything in a field that's got you know, you know several hundred thousand or a million plants in there. So, yeah, that would be good. But, but you know, uh, as soon as that happened, it would evolve. Uh, Mother Nature is always evolving <laughs> to things that we impose on on her, so yep. she would uh, evolve eventually at some point in time. But you know, I think that the other thing, since we're talking about um, herbicides, uh, you know, the thing that, that would be good for people to remember is that to solve a problem that was caused by herbicides by using herbicides doesn't sound good, does it? So we've got to use other, t- and that's not my quote, by the way, that was from a colleague. So. Uh, using other tactics when we can, like uh, tillage or cover crops or row spacing, using every tool in the toolbox in addition to herbicides uh, to help us combat the resistance problem because it's pretty clear that just using herbicides to solve resistance is not the answer. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. And and we look at um, doing the same thing over and over again and then saying, mm-hmm. why do we have a problem? It's it's pretty obvious of why we have it. It's just, are we willing to make some changes to try to help ourselves yeah. out? And, and change is hard, right? You get used to doing something and uh, uh, it gets hard to get to break out of uh, what you've been doing, especially if it's been working for you. But uh, eventually we need to think about everything that we could possibly do to uh, combat the problem because uh, it's not going away. Right. So we have to, uh, we have to deal with it with every, every tool we can. Yeah, great conversation here with Eric Prosco, University of Georgia. Eric, thank you so much for taking a little time out from your conference and uh, sharing a little sure. wisdom with us. Hey, thank you, and you all have a great day. You bet, you too. All right, Brian, talking about pigweed control, and, and uh, Eric hit it, and uh, and I kind of mentioned it there too. It's been the same question for the last about 20 years. Man, pigweed's tough. How do we stop it? Well, I, I think it's important to look at why pigweed is so bad right now. And we can all say, well, stuff's getting resistant and these these plants are putting on so many seeds and everything else. You can call it that, but honestly, I think it's a change in products we've been using, our rotations, things like that. So just for example, in soybeans, we know that the yellows are fantastic on pigweeds and metribuzin is even better. Back in, I'll call it the old days, before we had all these other fancy herbicides we could use in soybeans, we basically had trifluralin and metribuzin. And pretty much everybody we knew used a full rate of trifluralin, or in some cases, the even better product, sonolan. And then they also used a good strong rate of metribuzin. Okay, well, if you did that, then you pretty much had it. Now, granted, I mean, I would like to throw a PPO in there like Valor or Authority besides that. But 
when people started going away from the yellows and going away from Metribuzin and on to things like Pursuit and Roundup, well, you know what? Pursuit and Roundup just aren't that great on it. Roundup, and you could say, oh, Roundup was killing pigweed initially. Well, yeah, but think about it. I, I mean, pigweed can germinate about every day. Roundup has no residual. And then we're trying to kill really big pigweeds and not quite doing it. So it's no wonder we ended up with resistance issues because we didn't have multiple modes of action and we weren't, well, a lot of people at least, were skipping out in the pre's. And so here we are. And then also, once you build up the weed seed bank, I mean, just think about it for a little bit. Let's say you have a thousand pigweeds that go to seed in your field because one time we had a mess. Okay, one time, thousand plants, not that terrible. Well, that thousand, if each one of those put a million seeds on, you know what that is. That's one billion seeds. You don't get rid of that overnight. So we'll talk about what will control this tough weed right after this on Ag PhD Radio. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. This is Mike. Hey. He's getting a quick haircut at the local barber school. It's only five bucks. How bad can it? Oh! Yikes. Don't be like Mike when it comes to weed control. Get the job done right the first time and plan ahead with Status Herbicide. It delivers elite corn safety and reliable performance, so you don't have to deal with more problems than you bargained for. No, 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 no. Status Herbicide from BASF. Always read and follow label directions. One of the most important things you can do for your farm is improve drainage. Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. On Wednesday, February 8th, we're hosting a free Ag PhD tiling clinic in the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Whether you've been tiling for years or looking to plan your first project, you won't want to miss this event. We'll have a whole host of information for you, including a legal session with the country's top drainage lawyers, as well as presentations on tile design, lift stations, and ways to approach neighbors and landlords about tiling issues. For more details, go to agphd.com. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Waterhemp. 
Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of Fierce Herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right Fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio today. We're talking about pigweed control. Let's get right to it. Soybeans, this is typically the the, the toughest crop when we when we look at corn, soybeans, and wheat. Okay, the three biggest acre crops in the United States. Corn, soybeans, and wheat, it's soybeans. That's where a lot of people really struggle. I don't care if it's water hemp, palmer pigweed, whatever kind of pigweed you're talking about. It, it can be a challenge. So here's what we'd encourage you to do. Start with the three pre's. Then that is either Valor or Authority, plus Metribezin, plus a yellow. Not a group 15, a yellow. Either Trifluralin in conventional till or Prowl in no-till, strip-till. So you do that. You already have 99% of your water hemp, Palmer pigweed under control for the season. So it's amazing. Do the three pre's. Then early post. And you don't have to do this if if you don't have much for weed pressure. But if you're really worried about it, come early post and use a group 15 plus another PPO. So that would be a combination product if you want a premix like Warrant Ultra or Anthem Max. So for example, Warrant Ultra has Warrant, group 15, and Flexstar, they act, those active ingredients. Okay, so you got a group 15 to PPO. Anthem Max has the actives from Zidua and um, and Cadet. So again, group 15, Zidua, and PPO Cadet. All right, now that you've done that, you've got five products with residual, five, and four effective modes of action. And I didn't just say four modes of action. I said four effective modes of action. That's the real key because, unfortunately, I talk to people all the time that are getting sold something that they think is different than what they're actually getting. In other words... They think, oh, I've got three modes of action. And I'm like, well, wait a sec. Wait, whoa, whoa. What are your modes of action again? And they're like, well, I'm using this. And I go, well, that's not going to work on your pigweed because it's resistant to that. And then I'm using this. And I go, well, that's not going to give you any residual. So what? you got one effective mode of action, really, not three. So anyway, just make sure that if pigweed is your number one problem, that you invest your dollars there. You talk to your supplier and say, look, i got to make sure I have multiple effective modes of action, like literally everything I'm spending my money on is effective on pigweed, then you're probably going to be good. All right. And on top of that, and it all depends on if you're talking enlist beans or extend beans or conventional beans. So it is going to vary here. So I'd like to ideally use one of the growth regulators. So that'd be like enlist one or dicamba if your trait allows. I like to be able to use liberty if your trait allows. Now, if all you have is conventional beans, then I tell you, and and here again, I'll just be blunt. I will tell you, if you're going to raise conventional beans, you have to put down the three pre's. If you don't, you're just asking for trouble. It's, and a lot of people are like, well, I don't want to spend that money up front. I'm going, what? It's like five extra dollars to go three modes of action instead of two. What are you talking about? It's dirt cheap compared to what you're going to have to do post. And if you if you start running with all kinds of things like Cobra, for example, post late, I mean, you're going to burn the heck out of the beans. Is that really what you want to do? And by the way, a lot of times what we see when you use one of these burners, and don't let's not forget if, well, of course, for a lot of people, 
I, you, you probably don't even remember this, but before Roundup Beans, one of the big reasons why people switched to Roundup so fast is because they were doing all these different combinations in conventional beans. That's what we used to call soybeans back then before the Roundup days is just soybeans. Now it's conventional beans. Anyway, the point is we were burning the heck out of those, those beans. And then what you do is you thin out your canopy, which allows more weeds to come back. So, yeah, you might kill some weeds, but now you open the canopy up and then you have more weeds come. So it, it's not a good way to go. Make sure you're using the three pre's in conventional beans. And then you basically have to come with that early post program I was talking about, group 15 plus PPO. And yes, between the two shots, you're going to invest 25 to $35, depending on if you're conventional till or no-till. Prowl, by the way, is about 10 bucks more than what trifluralin will be. That's why no-till is more expensive. But anyway, think about this. In conventional beans, you're only going to spend about 25 bucks, and you'll have five herbicides for $25. And almost 100% control on your water hemp, and the season's barely started. That's what you want. That's what you're looking for. So anyway, soybeans, it's not that big a problem to get pigweed under control. It's just you got to use three pre's and then two early post-residuals. Then you're off to a really good start. Okay, let's talk corn. In corn pre-emerge, I would prefer you start with Sharpen. Now, there are other products out there. Sharpen's the best. Okay, you got to use at least two ounces of Sharpen. And you can find that in Verdict. It's in the premix Verdict, for example. But it's amazing. It's a PPO. All right. So it would be similar to Valor Authority. The problem with Sharpen is you can't use a high rate in soybeans like you can with Valor Authority to get residual. But you can use a high rate in corn and in wheat. So that's our preferred pre for corn and wheat. Now, on top of that, I want a group 15 out there also. So you get two effective modes of action right off the bat. Sharpen and, and group 15 pre. Now you might say, well, wait a second. You didn't want me to use a group 15 pre in soybeans. Why in corn? Two reasons. Number one, in corn, you can use the absolute maximum full rate. In soybeans, with a lot of these group 15s, you really shouldn't do that. Otherwise, number two, reason number two, I, I don't like group 15s pre in, in soybeans. If you're pushing rate, I just feel like it's a little too hard in the beans. So in corn, it's not. So I'd go sharpen and a full rate of group 15. That's what I would do. Now, let's say you are going to get verdict as an example. And you're going to throw the full or what you feel like is the full 10 ounce rate of verdict out there. Well, that is going to get you two ounces to sharpen. That is not going to get you anywhere close to the full rate of the group 15. So if you were going to do verdict, then I'm spiking it with a little more group 15. Now I've got a fantastic pre-program. Post-emerge, status plus atrazine is the best. That will kill all pigweeds, period. If you want to switch to a much cheaper option, you can go HPPD like Callisto or the generics, along with just a little bit of atrazine, splash of atrazine, half pound, quarter pound, something like that. That will help. All right, on, on to wheat. Sharpen pre absolutely got to have it, two ounces, and you got most of your water hemp taken care of. Now, you probably don't need to do this in wheat, but if you really wanted to step up your program, you could throw Anthem Flex out there also pre-emerge with the Sharpen right before the wheat comes out of the ground. I, I, I don't. It's not necessary 99% of the time, but if you said, man, I got a disaster out here and I'm really worried about it, well, then go Sharpen and, and Anthem Flex. Post-emerge in wheat, I'd prefer you do Husky FX, there are some other products that are okay, but Husky FX, that's my favorite. All right, then I just say this, all crops, I don't care what your crop is. Here are four things that you want to do to really help your weed control, whether we're talking 
pigweed species or anything. Number one, make sure your drainage is good. Where we see a lot of weeds come in late is where we don't have good drainage and the crop didn't then grow well. So get your drainage fixed. That's going to help you dramatically. I know it's made an enormous difference on our farm. We have way better weed control. It's not just oh, we have better yield and all this kind of stuff and we're not getting stuck as much. It's flat out, we have better weed control because we have better crop canopy. That's the whole point here. And all four of these things we're talking about, we need better crop canopy and you will have fewer weeds, I will promise you. So drainage is number one. Fertility is a close number two. Get your fertility program right. So you whatever crop it is, it grows and it grows fast early on. Number three, narrow rows. You can go to narrower row corn, soybeans. It, I mean, any crop you raise, you can go to narrower rows. The narrower the rows, the faster you have crop canopy, the better your weed control, period. And then finally, higher population. Like in soybeans now, it frustrates me a little bit when guys on the one hand say, well, I got a big problem with weeds. And then on the other hand, they say, but, you know, I'm hearing that I can cut the soybean population. I'm like, whoa, you're talking two totally different things here. You want better weed control? You go higher populations, not lower. Soybeans can self-thin if you get them too thick. But you absolutely, if you really wanted to, you could plant your beans at 250,000 plants per acre. Now, you're not going to like that bill, so I'm not suggesting you do that. But I am saying Higher populations absolutely help with weed control, along with, again, drainage, fertility, and narrow rows. So that's my advice. In 10 minutes, Darren, we went through corn, soybeans, wheat, and talked a little bit about all crops. You can get pigweed under control. Don't worry. Don't panic. Don't be losing your mind on this, but you've got to put a plan together. Stick with the plan. It's hard sometimes in the spring when things are going against you and you might want to throw out the plan please don't because if you just stick with a good plan you're going to be in great shape when it comes to pigweed control and do everything you can to get that plan done timely that's going to make all the difference in the world we'll talk a little more about that and get to your questions right after this my mom's got a new case ih tractor and it can do it all bail hay all day see in the dark with its powerful led lights hook up all the implements Ship like a race car, steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. Your crop deserves the best, not just a contender. Choose a Champ brand fungicide from New Farm for proven performance in the formula you prefer. Champ Formula 2 Flowable offers exceptional mixing and stability in a liquid copper. Champ Ion comes supercharged for superior coverage in a dry formulation. Any way you turn, New Farm has the copper solution you can win with. Put a Champ in your corner at newfarm.com slash uscrop. The greatest herbicide of all time earned its title by defending your soybean fields. Authority Supreme Herbicide's low-use rate formula delivers longer-lasting control of broadleaf weeds and grasses, providing you with the best-in-class combination of Group 14 PPO herbicide sulfentrazone and Class 15 molecule pyroxysulfone that outlasts the competition. We're Authority Supreme Herbicide from FMC, and we play to win. Learn more at authoritysupreme.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. 
Cold weather draining your batteries? Nothing delivers peace of mind like a quality battery charger from CNB. Going on now? Buy three batteries and get the charger on sale. Learn more or shop online at DeerEquipment.com. CNB, your local John Deere dealer of choice. Offer runs until May 2023. Get your planter ready for spring with Germinator Closing Wheels from Farm Shop MFG. When you buy 12 rows or more, get free shipping or 20% off an end zone bin system. So call Farm Shop MFG today at 712-520-6051. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutrition N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag time, taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can always email us as well, radio at agphd.com. Brian just went through uh, about 10 minutes there of wiping out pigweed in a number of different crops. And, of course, the first question we get here is from Brandon. He said, hey, guys, uh, I, I did attend your soybean workshop this year and enjoyed it. I'm from central Minnesota, heavier soil, CECs of 25 in a corn-soybean rotation. A few questions I've got. How long if I use the Valor at 2 ounces, Metribuzin at a third pound, and Trifluralin at a pint and a half? How long do I really have to get it worked in? Uh, what I'm hoping for well, okay. is that you say I could Stop. spray it one week before I work that in. No, 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 no. With Trifluralin, you need to work it in immediately. So... Almost all herbicides pre-emerge that we spray anymore can sit there for a week, two weeks, heck, even a month. Not trifluralin or sonalan. They have to be, or Eptam that you would use in alfalfa. They have to be incorporated right away. Now, we always used to say, look, you got to incorporate them immediately and you really want to have your applicator on the, the tillage tool. But... You know, there's so many people that have these great big sprayers and they're tilling right behind. I get it. So let's say it's done in a half an hour or an hour. You're probably, you are going to lose a little bit, but you're not going to lose everything. So if you're that worried about it, just bump the rate just a little bit and get it tilled in within half an hour, an hour, something like that. But no, you cannot wait a week. If you need to wait a week, then you got to use Prowl. Okay. Second question that Brandon has. I use a two-pass herbicide program. Three to four weeks after my pre, I'm targeting going back out there with more residual and contact products. Okay. My main weeds at that time are ragweed and water hemp. Now, here's the program I was considering. Warrant Ultra at 36 ounces plus a quart of Enlist One. 
yep, plus perfect. 12 it. ounces of clethodim to try to overcome sure. the antagonism. Perfect. If yep. you did that, how much AMS, how much MSO would you be putting in the mix, and uh, is that critical to my success? Okay, so let me go through this again. It was Warrant Ultra. Yep. It was Enlist, Enlist one and clethodim. Clethodim. All right. Yeah, I'm just writing this down here just to make sure because it takes a second to think about all these things. So l- let me let me first say we really want you to pay attention to what's the weather doing at that point. But usually when stuff is really small, then it doesn't take nearly as much to penetrate through. It, what happens is as, as the summer progresses, when it's hot and dry, there, there's a wax that builds up in the leaves of the weeds, and you have to penetrate through that wax with crop oil or methylated seed oil. That's not as important really early in the season when you're spraying here, especially with things that are total residual, like, for example, the Warrant that's in the Warrant Ultra. That doesn't have any burndown activity anyway, so it doesn't impact it one way or the other. Who cares? Um, I would say, though, Warrant... And, and most of the Group 15s do have some oils already in them. So that is something to keep in mind. I would also say make sure that whether you're spraying in List 1 or one of the Dicamba products, if it's Extend Flex Beans, that you're really careful because those new 2,4-D and new Dicamba products have very specific labels, and the product you tank mix with has to be on the label, as does the adjuvant. So you got to be careful. So I, I'm just going to say I don't know what the label will read this spring because they may make changes. My What I would tell you right now, I would lean toward throwing some ammonium sulfate in there. I'm, you don't have to do a lot, though. A couple pounds is probably good enough. Could you use methylated seed oil with that? Sure. I'd probably go crop oil, and I might even just go non-ionic surfactant because I've got 2,4-D that's got some oils. i got Warrant that's got some oils. That's going to be, that might just be enough for that clothidum to get into the volunteer corn already. If I throw a little non-ionic surfactant with it, that's probably good enough. So the other thing is when you go to non-ionic surfactant, you get less leaf burn on the crop. You will get significant leaf burn on the crop with your methylated seed oil. So you could go either way and I'm just, I'm, I'm throwing out options. I don't really think it's going to make a lot of difference that early in the season. So if it's me, I'm probably just going ammonium sulfate and non-ionic surfactant. By the way, non-ionic surfactant will probably cost you a dollar, dollar fifty an acre less than the MSO. Not that that's a big deal, but it's something everybody likes to talk about. Thanks for the question. Got one from Larry down in southwest Arkansas. He said, really enjoying the conversation. Appreciate uh, that, that a lot of opinions out there, uh, and they all have value. Uh, we used the three pre's last season. That was a very political answer. Go we, ahead. We, we used the three <laughs> pre's last season. We had good success. Our Great. post, though, was dual, and it was okay but definitely not nearly as effective as the pre-program. Now, we're using Enlist soybeans this year and using the three pre's again. Wondering, should we be trying to do three three modes of action on the post? Or what would be an improvement over using just dual? We're considering Anthem Max and also considering Liberty. Well, what are we trying to kill? Pigweed. Oh, okay. Well, here, here's the problem with dual. It has no burndown activity. So if you did have any escapes, it uh, didn't help you at all. 
So that's the problem. If you want to have dual in there to give you more residual for later on, like we talked about earlier in the show, that's a group 15, you can certainly do that, but you got to have something in there to burn stuff down. So if I'm using Enlist soybeans, I'm spraying Enlist 1. Liberty is really good, though. It's just a little bit more expensive, at least for this year. I will bet you by next year, Liberty will be cheaper than Enlist 1, but we'll see. Anyway, so either one of those would be a good option to throw with the dual. Um, in terms of Anthem Max, what that is, it's Zidua, so that's very similar to dual, and Cadet. So Cadet's a Group 15 similar to Flexstar. Is that going to be as good on your pigweed as either the 24D or Liberty? No way. It's not going to be horrible, but it's not going to be as good as the 24D or the Liberty. So anyway, yeah, if it's me, I'm throwing in either 24D or Liberty. Now someday, here's my hope, that both 24D and Liberty come down in price. I think the Liberty will come down a lot in price next year. I don't know about the 24D. But if it was cheap enough, I'll tell you what, if you ever put 24D together with Liberty, you're going to go, oh my goodness, I killed everything in the field. Didn't matter if it was four feet tall, it was all dead. Now, I'm not saying you wait and spray stuff big because by then you've already lost a whole bunch of yield. But I am saying, my gosh, when you put 24D together with Liberty, it's amazing for burn down. And you can do that if you want in Enlist Soybeans. The only problem is the price. Yep, for sure. Okay, I uh, get a biosolids sample and also a chicken litter sample. This comes uh, from down in Kansas. And the question is, we're curious, how much can we apply on farm ground with a good basis? <laughs> our first application is biosolids. The second, uh, or I'm sorry, first test is biosolids. Second one is chicken litter. Now, on the chicken litter, I noticed it has 180 pounds of salt per ton. So if you're just using the chicken litter, a lot of times we'll say, you know what, a max of 500 pounds of yep. salt per acre per year. But in Kansas, being dry in a drought, you might not get much moisture. Yeah, but keep in mind, in Kansas, they get way more rainfall than we do typically. So yes, they, they have drought. And so you go, wait a second, that those are two different things. You just said they get more rain, yet they have drought. Well, the reason why is they're like a million degrees hotter than we are here in South Dakota. Well, not quite a million, but maybe 900,000. But anyway, no, they're just a lot hotter down there. And so that, that can become a problem. So yes, if you're dry, salt hurts you. I just, I, I don't know what, where exactly we're talking in Kansas or anything Topeka else. Topeka area. Okay, yeah, I've been to Topeka enough times. It's it's not it's not terrible, Darren. I I, I mean they do they, they absolutely get much more rain than we do. But yes, they are a lot hotter. Um, I'll I'll say this: we get this question all the time. People say, "Okay, how much manure can I apply?" And we appreciate that you sent us these samples because we are first looking at salt. I don't care as much about the rest of the stuff, but I'm first looking at salt because that's the thing that hurts that's your often, crop. Oftentimes, the limiting factor. Yes, yes, uh, but. We don't have your soil test. At least I don't think. We didn't get the nope. soil test, right? Nope. So we don't know test. how heavy the soil is. We don't know how high the sodium currently is in the soil. We don't know how high the salt currently is in the soil. So I, I'd really be curious to see that soil test because we might have, just as an example, let's say you had a 6 CEC. Well, now all of a sudden you can't hold very much nitrogen. So now Darren just said salt's usually the, little, usually the limiting factor for how much we put on. Now nitrogen might be because I can't hold it and I'm worried about it leaching away. So I, I, I can't really fully answer this question until I see the soil test. Sorry. 
Yep, the other thing that's a little scary is on the biosolids, just some of the things like arsenic and other things that are in yeah, there. Yeah, but you always got to watch. Dose out how makes much the poison. That's exactly. right. Dose makes the poison. Well, thanks for listening to our program today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.